Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the major division of the Levites as we pick up in Numbers chapter 3, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now in chapter 3, God had Moses set out the tribe of Levi into three major families. The family of Gershon, the family of Kohath, and Merari. And so the Levites were divided into the three major family groupings. Verse 10, Thou shalt appoint Aaron and his sons. They shall wait in the priest's office. The stranger shall not, who tries to come near will be put to death. Verse 12, And I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of the firstborn. That opens the matrix, even among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levites are mine. Now, after God destroyed the firstborn in Egypt, he said, All of the firstborn are mine. They belong to me. Now God has chosen the tribe of Levi instead of the firstborn. That is, instead of every family committing their firstborn unto the priesthood, now God has chosen one tribe, the tribe of Levi. It is to be the priestly tribe. And as I say, to be divided into the three basic families. Verse 15 Number the children of Levi after the house of their fathers by their families. Every male from a month old upward shalt thou number. So instead of the 20 years of age like in the other tribes, they were to count all of the males from a month old, older. And these are the names of the sons of Gershon and then of Kohath and then of Merari in 18, 19, and 20. And it names the uh, family heads of these men. Now of the family of Gershon, there were 7,500 males. They were to encamp next to the tabernacle on the west side. Their job, when when they would have to move, would be the tent and the covering and the hangings for the door and the hangings of the court and the curtain of the door of the court, which is by the tabernacle, and the altar roundabout and the cords of it, they were to carry these portions of the tabernacle. Next, the family of Kohath, and today we have the Kohans, which do trace their ancestry, or seek to at least, to the tribe of Kohath. And so you have the rabbis, the Kohans, are uh, of this priestly tribe of Kohath. And of the Kohans or the Kohas, there were 8,600. They were to pitch on the south side of the tabernacle. And it was their duty to carry the ark, the table, the candlestick, the altars, and the vessels of the sanctuary, the hangings, and the services of them. And of the tribe of Merari, verse 33... There were 6,200. They were to camp on the north immediately next to the tent, the tabernacle. 
And it was their duty to carry the boards and the bars and the pillars and the sockets and the vessels and all of that service and the pillars of the court round about and their sockets and pins and cords. But those that encamp before the tabernacle toward the east, even before the tabernacle of the congregation, shall be Moses and Aaron and his sons. So we get now another view of the camp of Israel. For immediately to the west of the tabernacle, camping next to it, were the tribe, or were the tribe of Levi, but the family of Gershon. And then immediately to the south was the family of Kohan, to the north was the family of Mirari, and then right in front of the entrance to the east side was Moses and Aaron and his sons. And thus, you see, now, if you were in a helicopter looking down on the camp of Israel, this is the kind of a view that you would get of the camp. Uh, as the tabernacle is right in the center, the tribe of Levi encamped immediately about it, and then the 12 tribes on out around the camp further out. Now those that were numbered of the Levites, which Moses and Aaron numbered at the commandment of the Lord throughout their families, all the males from a month old and upward were 22,000. Now, because the Lord said, the firstborn are mine, and they numbered all of the male Levites, they're 22,000, God wants to make sure that he gets a fair deal. So he said, now number all the firstborn throughout all of Israel. And so they numbered the firstborn throughout all of Israel, and there were 22,273. God said, I'm short. Because there were only 22,000, so he's short 273. So he said, you're going to have to buy the 273. So charge five shekels of silver uh, for the 273 and give it to Aaron because I'm short that many. I should have if he took all the firstborn, 22,273. Only 22,000 of the Levites, so you owe me 273. So charged at the rate of five shekels of silver, uh, they brought the silver and redeemed those 273 from the Lord and gave the money to Aaron. Now in chapter 4, we find that from the tribe of Kohath, the men that were to actually do the service of carrying and all, of course, they numbered them from a month old upwards. It's obvious that little kids couldn't carry these heavy boards and these things. So the men who were in charge and the older men would have difficulty. So they chose those men from 30 years of age to begin the ministry at 30 years and they retired at 50 years. And so the, the time of service was from 30 years to 50. And when the camp is ready to move forward, Aaron and his sons are to come in, and they are to take down the covering veil and cover the Ark of the Covenant with that covering veil. And then they are to put over it the badger's skins, and shall spread over it a cloth of blue and they'll put the golden staves in the rings that were on the Ark of the Covenant. 
And then they were to take the table of showbread and put over it a cloth of blue and put the dishes and the spoons and the bowls and the covers on it and the continual bread was to be left upon it and they shall spread on them a cloth of scarlet and then they are to cover that with badger skin. So over the table of showbread there was to be a blue cloth, a red cloth, the badger skin, the, the uh, little dishes and the bread was to remain upon it and they were to put the golden staves through it so that when the men from the tribe of Kohath came in, they would not see the Ark of the Covenant. They would not see the table of showbread. They would not see the lamps. Lest if they see them, they die. Aaron's and his sons were to cover all these things, wrap them up, get them ready to carry, and then these fellows would come in and just pick up the sticks and would carry them as porters with these staves and not even touch the instruments themselves, but carry them between the sticks. They weren't even to touch the Ark of the Covenant, though it was covered in all with these skins, nor were they to look upon it. And they shall take a cloth of blue and cover the candlestick, the light and the lamps and the tongs, the snuff dishes and all the oil vessels. And they shall put all of the vessels thereof within a covering of badger skin and put it on a bar. And the golden altar they shall spread over it a cloth of blue and cover it with badger skins and put in the staves. And all of the instruments of ministry wherewith they minister in the sanctuary, put them in a cloth of blue, cover them with covering for badger skins and shall put them on a bar and shall take away the ashes of the altar and so forth. And Kohath shall bear it, but they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. Verse 15, the latter portion. The things are the burden of the sons of Kohath, the tabernacle of the congregation. So, when they got up in the morning and the cloud had lifted and was moving, Aaron's sons would have to hustle in. And they'd start taking the veil apart. And with the veil, they'd cover the Ark of the Covenant. And then they'd put over it the cloth of blue and then the badger skins. And they'd wrap up all of these instruments that were there within the tabernacle, put the golden staves through, and then the sons of Kohath would come in, take the staves, and begin to carry them. That was the duty of the sons of Kohath. Whenever the call came to move. Now in verse 16, Eliezer, who was the son of Aaron, the priest, Concerning the oil for the light and the sweet incense and the daily meal offering and the anointing oil and the oversight of the tabernacle and all that is in it, in the sanctuary and the vessels of it. And the Lord spake to Moses and Aaron, saying, Cut ye not off the tribe of the families of the Kohathites from among the Levites, but thus do unto them that they may live and not die when they approach the most holy things. Aaron and his sons shall go in and appoint them every one to his service and to his burden, but they shall not go in to see when the holy things are covered lest they die. So they were not to look upon them, but Eliezer was to take them in and say, okay, you get on that, you get on that. And Eliezer was to direct them to pick up the staves and how to do it so that those men who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant would not die. Now, we have an interesting case at, at later on in history when uh, the Ark of the Covenant had been taken by the Philistines. 
And of course, it created a problem in every city where the Philistines took it. The men were breaking out with boils and horrible things and all wherever they'd take the Ark of the Covenant. So when they started to bring it to another city, the men met them at the gate and said, no way you bringing that thing in here. What do you got against us? And so they decided that they would send it back to the children of Israel. Now they thought, well, maybe it's just coincidence. So we'll put it on a cart and we'll let these oxen go and, and we'll see what direction they go. If they just roam around, we know the whole thing is coincidence. But if they head back for Israel, then we'll realize that that's what our problem is, that we've got this, this spiritual thing here and we don't know how to handle it. So they put the ark on this cart and they put these oxen to it and the oxen headed right towards the camp of Israel just lowing all the way, just going, moo, you know, as they're going along, carrying the ark back towards Israel. And of course, when the Israelites saw the ark covenant coming, there was a great rejoicing. And so David was extremely happy. He's bringing the ark back to Israel. And so they were having this great ceremony, and they were out there rejoicing and bringing the ark and they went over a bump and the ark started to fall and one of the fellows reached forth his hands to steady the ark and in touching it he was smitten dead. Now this upset David. Wow! All of this happiness and rejoicing all of a sudden is very somber. And, and David said, turn that thing in and he went on home. He said, I don't do anything to do with that. And, and he was really sort of angry with God for breaking up this happy celebration. But God then dealt with David and, and told him, look, there's the right way to do the right thing. And you can be doing the right thing in a wrong way. And David was doing the right thing in a wrong way. And so rather than on an ox cart like they had it, they were to carry it. And so after a time, David went out brought the priest, they did sacrifices before the Lord, they had the staves, they carried the thing in the way it should have been done, and it was brought back and placed again there in the tabernacle in Jerusalem at the time of David. And so God was serious when he said, hey, don't let these guys look on it, and don't let them touch it, lest they die. And so it was a protection for those of the tribe of Kohath that had to handle these holy things that Aaron's sons do it upright so that it would protect the lives of these men who would be bearing these sacred instruments that have been created for the worship of God. Now, the tribe of Gershon, in verse 24, this was the service of the family, not the tribe of Gershon, but the family of Gershon, the tribe of Levi. They shall bear the curtains of the tabernacle and of the tabernacle of the congregation, the coverings, the coverings of the badger skins that are above it, the hangings of the door of the tabernacle and the hangings of the court and the hangings of the door of the gate of the court, which is by the tabernacle and the altar that is round about it with the cords and the instruments of the service and all that is made for them, so shall they serve. And at the appointment of Aaron and his sons shall be all the service of the sons of the Gershonites in all their burdens and in all their service. 
and ye shall appoint unto them the charge of their burdens. And this is the service of the family of the sons of Gershon. And so all of these curtains, and you remember there were actually four curtains over the top of the tabernacle, and the hangings over the door, and this curtain that went all the way around the tabernacle, these were to be carried by the family of Gershon. And then finally, the sons of Merari, thou shalt number them from 30 years old, and it is their charge to carry the boards of the tabernacle and the bars thereof, the pillars and the sockets and the pillars of the court round about and their sockets, their pins and, and the uh, silver sockets that they went into and all. And, and this was to be the burden of Merari. So actually, uh, this whole thing was quite portable. These guys could move in, collapse the whole thing and carry it off. And then they could set the thing up again. When, when they came to the place where the cloud was resting, they would go ahead and set up the tabernacle where the cloud rested. And when the cloud moved, they moved. When the cloud set, they set. And so the family of Levi, or the tribe of Levi, by these families, each one had their own duty in the carrying of the tabernacle. And... Uh, the number of the men that were involved in this task was 8,580. So they had a pretty good crew uh, working on the setting up of the tabernacle and the taking down of it and carrying it and so forth, uh, whatever the case may be. Now in chapter 5, they are told to cleanse the camp by putting out every leper and those that have any kind of a issue from their body who is, and those who have been defiled by touching a dead body. And uh, God didn't want any type of defilement in the camp where he dwells. So the children of Israel did so. They put out of the camp those that were leprous, those that had any running type of sores, and those who had been defiled by touching dead bodies. And the Lord spake unto Moses, verse 5, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, when a man or a woman shall commit a sin, that men commit to trespass against the Lord. The person is guilty. They shall confess their sin, which they have done, and then they shall recompense in their trespass and offer, actually, before the Lord, the ram of the atonement, whereby an atonement shall be made for him, and an offering of all the holy things of the children of Israel. And every man's hallowed thing shall be his. Whatsoever man hath given the priest, it shall be his. And so then we have this law of jealous husbands. Now, if a woman has had an affair and her husband doesn't know it, she doesn't get pregnant, hasn't been found out. But if a spirit of jealousy would suddenly come on a husband and he'd wonder whether or not his wife was really being faithful to him. Then he was to bring his wife before the priest with a offering for her of a tenth part of an ephah of barley, which would be a tenth part would be about a couple quarts. 
He shall pour no oil upon it or put any frankincense thereon, for it is an offering of jealousy, bringing iniquity to remembrance. And the priest shall bring her near and set her before the Lord. And the priest shall take the holy water in an earthen vessel and the dust that is in the floor of the tabernacle, the priest shall take and put it in the water. And then he is to charge this woman with a severe oath, and she is to drink this bitter water. And he said, if you have been unfaithful to your husband, may this water cause your belly to swell and your stomach to rot. And a woman would have to drink the bitter water and then wait for the consequences. And if her stomach would swell and all, then she was considered guilty and was put out. But if there was no ill effect, then she was considered to be innocent and, and her husband's jealousy was unfounded. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Numbers on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Numbers 3-5 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May God bless you and keep His hand upon your life. May He minister to your life in such a way that you'll be very conscious of the presence of God. May He just burst upon the scene and may you just recognize His nearness and His grace and His love and just be overwhelmed by the goodness of God. May the Lord bless watch over and keep you through Jesus Christ our This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. It's with great honor that the Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's book entitled Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege. With great clarity, Pastor Chuck masterfully taught the principles of praying to God our Father and emphasized the power that belongs to each one of us when we rely on the Holy Spirit to guide and nurture our prayer lives. 
I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege, and study it to put these biblical principles into practice. Read this book and come to the most amazing realization that prayer is the most potent weapon in your spiritual arsenal and use it with great promise and hope. For when you begin a life of prayer, you begin a great adventure. To order a copy of this book in print or to download a digital copy, please visit thewordfortoday.org or call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673.